Are you a busy woman who at times struggles with reducing your daily stress? Do you know that you need to slow down but do not know how? If you're looking at reducing your daily stress, you're in the right place. My name is Denise Eckert and I welcome you to the Calm Your Daily Stress podcast. I just love interviewing guests so they can share their stress-reducing tips and techniques with you. Now, if you find this podcast helpful, please share it with someone who struggles with stress because lowering our stress will make us a better person, a happier partner, mom, friend, neighbor, etc. And the best part is happiness is contagious. Enjoy this episode. Hi there, it's Denise Eckert from Balanced New Coaching. And I love coming on here to share different tips and practical ideas to help you reduce the stress in your life. And today I've got Jackie Francis Walker, who's a psychotherapist and a burnout coach for 25 years. And our topic today is awe, the magic key to heal burnout. So good afternoon, Jackie. Good afternoon to you, Denise. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Sure. I specialize in working with burnout, uh, and I particularly work with uh, successful driven women or uh, high achieving professionals. And uh, they are particularly the people who expect to drive themselves really hard and are often really surprised when all of a sudden, out of the blue, they start to experience burnout. Um, there's a sense of shock. This, this can't be me. How, how is this happening? You know, I can usually handle everything. Hopefully we catch them early enough, uh, but very often people will come to me when they've actually reached uh, rock bottom and they've gone off work and uh, then we have to start to rebuild them again. So over those 25 years, I've had a, a really, really great opportunity to figure out what works and particularly what works for busy people, high achievers, the people who are trying to work as well as recover from burnout at the same time, which is a pretty tall order, as I'm sure you'll imagine. So I've actually developed my own unique model of working with burnout, uh, which really takes account of what's happening in the body as well as the emotions in the mind. It seems to be really, uh, really helpful for people. Well, it's really important because a lot of people, as you say, don't understand that they are sliding into burnout. And the thing is, with I find with burnout, it can be very gradual. And then when it hits, it hits hard. And I know with even doing this podcast, I've interviewed many women who've landed in the hospital with some very serious health issues. It's not an easy thing to get out of burnout, but with the right guidance, it works. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you, you, you've got it. And and what I find is that depending where you are in, in the stress curve, so are you experiencing stress or overload or burnout, what you need in terms of guidance is different at each stage. So what you might need from stress could be something fairly general, something fairly self-healthy, perhaps a bit of time out just to recharge. That might be all you need. But when you're starting to get into the stages of overwhelm or overload, then a different part of the brain starts to come into play. What works for stress probably won't work all that well with overwhelm. And it certainly won't work when you actually enter burnout proper. And in fact, what I do find is very often the things that people think they should try that are really good for stress can actually make burnout worse. So it's really important to get guidance from people like yourself or myself or others about what actually to do. 
Now, can you give us some examples of what things that people can do, what they do for stress that can make burnout worse? Yeah, uh, the, the really, really obvious one is uh, with stress, you expect to be able to take a couple of days out or a week out and you should be able to bounce back. And so when people know that their bodies will do that fairly reliably, it tempts them to push on. I'll just get this job finished. I'll just push on for another two weeks and this project comes to an end and then I can rest. Up to a point that will work when it's just stress. But when we get to burnout, we no longer have um, the resilience in our bodies that will allow us to do that. So every time we just push on, we just try and finish the project, um, what we're doing is we're actually reducing and reducing and reducing the resilience in our body and pushing it further into burnout that way. So, uh, and, and it's not intuitive. It's not the sort of thing you would expect to be the case. I do find a lot of people who soldier on thinking they're giving in or they're being weak if they, if they don't actually just stop and start to do some of the things that will be restorative when they're in burnout. Ah, the magic key to heal burnout. So what do we mean by ah? That's a really good question. Um, awe is a very, very complex emotion, um, and it can be difficult to define, but I think we all know when we have felt awe. Yeah, you put your hand on your heart. Absolutely. It's being, often it's about being in the presence of something that's vast, that's vastly bigger than us, and which takes us out of the normal everyday experience and makes us go, oh. I mean, when you look up at the stars, we often feel awe or we look at a beautiful sunset or a beautiful nature scene. Uh, these are all things that fairly typically we recognize as being experiences that can produce awe. But the interesting thing is that unlike a lot of other emotions or feelings, awe can actually be a negative as well as a positive feeling. And this goes right the way back to the very roots of the word because the word awe comes from Old English, egg. And uh, it used to mean, right at the beginning, fear, terror, reverence. So awe, but from a, uh, from a, a fairly negative place. And it grew up um, with kind of religious and spiritual experiences. You know, God as the kind of avenging father, for example. And so they will be in awe of God, but also at the same time probably fearful about not doing what they expect God uh, will want them to do. That kind of religious sense uh, was around for quite a few centuries. And it wasn't until the late 1700s that a philosopher actually decided that awe was actually a secular experience as well, an everyday non-religious experience, and that we could feel awe in the small moments, in the tiny little experiences of life, as well as you know, the big kind of meaning of life experiences too. And that then started to shift the uh, understanding of always being positive, a positive experience rather than positive or negative, depending on where we're coming from. You know, things like music, art, um, astonishing nature, even seeing people doing something compassionate towards other people that's kind of unexpected or bigger than one might expect can trigger feelings of awe in us. Now, how does the experience of awe benefit us? Good. Yeah, excellent question. What happens is because it's a, it's a, a feeling of being in the presence of something fast, 
even bigger than us. It actually shrinks our feeling of who we are. We start to feel the smallness or the humility of who we are. It takes us entirely out of the everyday concerns that we might have because suddenly we're in the or experience and we are focused on that. The great thing is that it means that our minds stop being busy in the way that it can when we're stressed uh, and starts to relax and just be present with what we're experiencing right now. There's been a lot of studies about what awe does to the body. Apparently, out of all of the positive emotions we might, we might feel, you know, happiness, um, resilience, and so on and so forth, the only one that reduces the levels of inflammation in our body is awe, which I never knew until I started to look into it. And um, it also starts to trigger our feelings of wonder and curiosity. So it starts to bring our creative brain into play rather than our fairly kind of stressed and overworked left brain. We start to be able to open up to possibilities and start to see more, more of the bigger picture in our own lives too. And there's a, a, a great um, experiment done by uh, a chap at the University of California and he found that we only have to experience awe for 60 seconds for it to have an effect, a measurable effect. So wow. it's actually pretty powerful stuff. I mean, I love teaching gratitude in my practice too, where you do get that sense of awe as well, because you're, mm. you got mm. that heartwarming feeling. So now how does awe help with stress or burnout? How does that intertwine there? Okay, I've already mentioned part of it. What's different about awe, again, to a lot of the other um, positive emotions that might help with stress and burnout, is that awe seems to trigger both, both branches of our nervous system at the same time. So quick little recap, we've got the sympathetic nervous system, which is the flight or fight system, it helps us act in the world. If we get too triggered by stress, and it starts us to be, you know, want to run away, shut down. We've got the parasympathetic nervous system, which uh, helps us relax and heal and recharge. So usually one's mostly active and the other one's mostly shut down and then they'll switch over in life. And that's what things like breathing exercises try and help us do to switch from uh, the flight or fight system to the relaxation system. But or actually gets both branches of the nervous system to work at the same time. So it's like the whole body is working in tandem with each other. So it has a, you know, a much, much bigger effect. It's also well known for calming the system. Another study found that, I said 60 seconds of all, was found to be uh, the, the, the minimum amount of time that people needed. But actually, another study found that even that is quite a lot. And we probably only just need about 10 to 15 seconds, so long as we do it kind of a few times during the day, punctuate our day with experiences of all. In this particular study, um, people asked to just pause, take stock, appreciate the magic in little things, and just to take a 10 to 15 seconds to put their full attention on what's happening, breathe with it, and to do that three to five times a day. And after 21 days, which is uh, the length of time that it often takes to create a new habit, they found that people's stress and anxiety had significantly reduced. 
just by doing that over a period of three weeks. So you can see that all, all's got a lot to it, gratitude and flow and mindfulness and all these other beautiful things. They're all, all essential things to do. But for some reason, all seems to trump the lot. So I see it as being one of the master master mind states to try and uh, to try and make sure that we have. Now that you're talking about studies, I understand there was a study in regards to selfies that people take. Oh, yes. Can you comment on that? Absolutely. Now, this is really, really fun. They asked uh, a group of people to take one 15-minute walk a week over eight weeks. One group were just told to go for the walk and see what happens. And the other group were taught how to cultivate awe during their walk. Try and walk somewhere new because novelty uh, is helpful for encountering awe while we say more, say more. And you know, paying attention to the details, so mindset, making the effort to notice things with a fresh pair of eyes and not to use your phone. Phones aren't very good for all, usually, but they could use their phone to take some selfies along their walk just to document where they went. So what they found is that um, over the eight weeks, the people who were just told to walk found that they were thinking about everyday things. What am I going to have dinner? How am I going to solve this problem? Whereas those have been told how to cultivate awe were thinking about the beauty of the leaves and the colours of the greens. The selfies, they found that those in the awe group, their selfies started out as being ordinary selfies of themselves with a little bit of background. And then gradually over the eight weeks, it was less and less their face and more and more the background. So something about... <laughs> Their sense of themselves shifted and what was important shifted during that week. And of course, in the other group, they just took ordinary selfies throughout the whole experiment. I know myself, I live across the street from a lake and I do, when I do my selfies, it is, it's like, this is my beautiful view. This is the fountain. I'm in the picture, but I am off to the side somewhere, but (laughs) yeah, it's fun. So people that are looking to experience awe, you mentioned stars and mountain. Are there other practices that uh, can come into effect here? Absolutely. And we don't always have um, access to the big awe experiences. We can't go and stand on the mountain and watch a sunset every day. Um, but I think there's five tips that I would give. So the first is awe is a mental attitude. So if we gear ourselves up to look for moments of awe in our life, we're more likely to find it. We're giving our brain a a target for which to to seek, and then it's obedient. It will go and seek it for us. So we will start to notice those moments which otherwise we would just overlook. We can also keep an awe journal, a bit like a gratitude journal. So every day, perhaps at the end of the day, just go through, you know, what are some moments in the day where I've actually experienced or combine it with the gratitude journal or in gratitude. Wow, that's going to be really powerful. You can create an or portfolio. So gathering together photos or objects that represent the most powerful experiences of all that you've had in your lifetime and actually taking the photographs when you're there can actually help to uh, lock that experience into your memory. Other people create an awe playlist. So again, just gather um, perhaps a, a note of all of the various things you can find out there on the internet and on media 
which help put you in front of um, expenses of all. So loads and loads of videos online. I mean, I just love things like sort of ocean videos or nature videos or time lapse videos or space videos, but also music talks. Some talks um, will just get you absolutely inspired by all. Even movies, there are some movies which uh, help to bring a feeling of awe to what you're watching. Perhaps watching someone doing something very, very skillful can also give it a sense of awe. For other people, they might want to read. So poems, sacred texts, um, or art can all start to connect you into, tune you into the same thing. And you know, the big thing that people say is go for a walk in nature. The Japanese have a, a culture of forest bathing, where they just go and absorb and immerse themselves in the greenery, allow themselves to be affected by it. For other people, architecture, some architecture can be very inspiring too. So going for a walk around a city and looking at the, the, the architectural details or uh, inspiring buildings or churches or historic buildings can also be a great place to try and put yourself in the way of actually experiencing those moments of war. So those are some of the small everyday things that anyone can do. And I'm sure there's lots, lots more as well. Well, what a wonderful practice that you've introduced us to. So we're going to wrap it up here. I understand you've got a program that where you work with people. So you kind of mentioned that at the beginning. Did you want to go into that a little bit more? Sure, yeah, thanks. I focus on burnout uh, that I work with people. And I've got a, a 12-week online program called Banish Burnout, which takes people through a fairly systematic journey, starting from the very basics that they need to know about burnout and how to start to work with it, what they need at the beginning phase, and then going through a lot of uh, mindset things, emotional things, uh, things to do with the nervous system, how the body works uh, when you're in burnout, particularly about beginning to incorporate things like experiences of awe, moments of gratitude, mindfulness, flow, because those are the things that start to rewire the brain. And particularly if we are caught up with stress or anxiety, we start to get tunnel vision, then you need something to get you out of it whilst you're also learning how to build a better foundation. The other thing that I have, uh, I've got a free checklist for the top 10 signs of burnout. So if you would like that, again, Denise has the link. Great. Are there any final words that you can share with the audience of how to reduce their stress and avoid burnout? I think the most important thing is to notice when it's starting to creep up on you. As you said at the very beginning, we often just don't notice because we're so focused on getting to where we need to get, finishing the job we're trying to finish, and then we just don't notice how our body is actually starting to fade and flag. So please stop every now and again. Close your eyes, take a breath. Notice how you're feeling. What you need right now to help yourself recharge. That way, if you're doing it as you go, you're less likely to get the worst effects of burnout. Well, thank you so much for the information. I'm sure our audience will benefit from it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Calm Your Daily Stress podcast. Have you ever wondered what your stress personality is? Are you a self-care goddess or a burnout queen? Well, you can find out by taking my free quiz. You just need to go to www.stressquiz.info. 
to find out where you rank. Sending you love and peace, and I'll see you in the next episode.